This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Hey, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to episode four of Caffeinated Changes. If you're a new listener, welcome. My name is Stephanie and I'm your host. For those of you returning, thank you for not running for the hills. My guest is Matt Claiborne. And when I asked him what he wanted to be known for, his first instinct was to say that he loves to have a good time and he loves a good adventure. I can't think of a better description for an ABC News producer. You'll notice this this episode is even longer than all the others, but the thing about it is that the content is so important. He's on the ground watching news unfold and makes amazing points about representation in our newsroom. I'm proud of all that he's accomplished, and I'm so glad that this podcast brought us back together after losing touch. I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Um, so what is your favorite accolade? What's your you know, what, um, what's your biggest accomplishment that you're proud of? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know if it's work related, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I've been talking to one of my friends about this a lot. We talk almost every morning. She's one of my best friends. And when she's driving her kids to school, usually about the time I'm leaving the gym and kind of getting ready to go to work. And we just talk about things that we're proud of and, you know, and things that motivate us and to keep us motivated going forward. Um, so I, I think I'm most proud of, uh, the relationships with my friends that I've maintained throughout my life. Like I'm, I'm so proud of all the things that my friends have accomplished. Um, you included. I'm so glad we reconnected recently. Um, I was just telling my mom about that. <laughs> And my dad, my dad, my dad swears he remembers you. I don't know if I believe him, but that's what he said. Um, I mean, what's I not to remember? I was super Well, funny. you're pretty unforgettable. I mean, I know you remember him. <laughs> he's so big. Your um, dad is a character. I mean, there's... I know. He's a character. He hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, I think I'm most, I'm most proud of the relationships that I have in my life. Uh, they've really, I think I've surrounded myself with good people and the older I've gotten, I, I learned that good friends are really, really hard to find. And most people have trouble finding even one really good quality person in their life. And I have a lot. And so I feel really blessed to be able to say that. It's really nice. I love that. I mean, I, I think that's really important because if you look at what the slogan is for this podcast, it's what your inner circle should sound like. And I love that you place so much value on the people you're surrounding yourself with. Um, so we talk a lot about work. What do you do? All right. Um, so I'm a producer at ABC News here in New York City. I work for the National Network and I work for our assignment desk. It's our news desk. So um, most people have no idea what I do. They just see me like on a plane traveling somewhere at the last minute. Um, and my parents even, I think, struggle <laughs> trying to figure out what it is I do. Um, but basically I'm a field producer. So producers is kind of all encompassing term. Uh, but for my purposes, the assignment desk, like news will break, something will happen. The assignment desk will assign me and say, Hey, can you go here to cover this event or this unfolding event? Or we caught wind of something that might happen here or this just happened. Can you go? Sometimes that's just 
you know, around the corner from the office. We're in New York. A lot of news happens here. Sometimes that's hopping on a plane, a train. Um, and so I do news gathering for the network. I arrive at the scene. I report. I source while I'm there. I write. I shoot. I edit. Um, and I usually have a correspondent with me uh, or a reporter with me who's on television, and I'm their producer. I make sure that they can get on the air. That's my primary goal, to make sure they can get on the air, whether that's online, on television, even radio, you know, and that goes out to all of our partners and our platforms. Okay, and then how did you, how did you land that? Is that what you envisioned when you finished uh, high school, college, all that fun stuff? Yeah, all that fun stuff. You know what's funny is that I feel like a lot of people fall into things this is something I wanted to do since I was a kid. And I think it's really cool that I'm doing what I wanted to do. Um, when, I was a, when I was a lot younger, like, I don't know, preteen maybe, maybe even earlier than that, I used to watch 60 Minutes with my dad and sometimes my grandpa. And I watched Ed Bradley who I think he died in 2006, but I watched Ed Bradley, who at the time was the only and maybe first African-American correspondent for that show. Mm-hmm. And he just had, he was just so smart. And I just watched him like stick it to the man and interview these politicians. And he was traveling all over the world. And he was in war zones, you know? And I thought, okay, I want to be like that black guy. <laughs> I want to be like that guy. I want to be, cause I wanted to be a war correspondent and I wanted to work for 60 minutes. That's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, my ideas changed a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm okay not going to a war zone. But I, um, yeah, but this is what I wanted to do. And so when I got to high school, I went to two schools. So when I got to my second high school, I got on the newspaper staff. I started writing. Um, my first article I actually wrote about myself in the third person because I'm that obnoxious. And then I went to Oglethorpe where I worked on the newspaper staff and I became the news editor I think my junior year of college and just stuck with it did an internship at CBS News my junior year was dying to come back to New York City it was so hard to find a job like I just really didn't realize how cutthroat the industry was so I ended up coming to New York I ended up getting a job it was like a kind of like a three-month fellowship and it was an advertising, completely different, but it got me to New York. I was making no money. I was very skinny. I used to walk to work and back. It was like six miles one way. Uh, and I was oh so poor. I know. I And it was hot. It was summer. And people don't realize summer in New York City is brutal. It's hot. It's a little humid. And the concrete just emits so much heat. And I would just walk because I really didn't want to spend money on a Metro card because it was that tight. Um, it was like, do you eat or do you take transportation to work? Like, <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't do either. <laughs> yeah. So it was a struggle. Um, but I learned a lot in that job and I was just, I didn't love it. I liked the people I worked with, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I was in the city I wanted to be in and I had to figure out how to make a transition. I was still looking for jobs in news. Hard to find. And even with the internship that I had, like really hard to find. And I decided to go to grad school is something I always wanted to do. And my first year working in advertising, I started applying. I applied to two schools. I got into both. Uh, I felt good about that and visited both and decided to stay in New York and go to Columbia. And after I got my grad degree from Columbia, it got 
it was still hard to find work, but it was that much easier. I had, I had a network now and a lot more experience. I had a portfolio that I didn't have before. I had things to show people. And I went back to CBS um, right after Columbia. Still, sometimes walking to work. I mean, I made no I, I mean, I made very little money. It was really, really difficult to make that kind of money in New York City. Um, but because I lived with four, I had four roommates, or I think I had three roommates in a four-bedroom apartment and one bathroom at a five-floor walk-up in Harlem, I was able to, <laughs> I was able to live a little bit because that's how I was able to have cheap rent. I lived in that apartment for seven years, so. That's smart. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just moved this year and I'm regretting my rent. I'm like, quadrupled. I was like, what? <laughs> so, Where can I find yeah. new friends to live with? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like it's not it's not out here. Uh, but I no longer walk to work unless I want to, and sometimes I do, which is nice. Uh, yeah, things are good. So that's how I got into this. I think grad school really helped, and then I took an entry level job at CBS. I I did that for I freelanced with them for uh, about a year, and then came on to ABC as a staff position. But I I I came with a fellowship. I did, I've done like three fellowships since I've been here, and I freelanced and I popped around on things. So, you know, it was really hard uh, to get your foot in the door. But once you finally get a little traction, it gets easier. People start to know who you are a little bit. That's where I'm at now. Well, I'm really proud of you. I mean, I don't think I Thank have, you. I don't think I have to tell you that. I think I've told you that a hundred billion times since we were uh. <laughs> um, But uh, how did you stay faithful to that dream? I mean, because you went through a lot to make it to where you are now. And... I think that that, that some people would just give up. They'd be like, well, uh, listen, I really like eating on a daily basis. How did you (laughs) stay, how did you stay consistent? I, I gotta be honest. I think I was counting on people to give up. So that would make space for me. Um, I, I still count on some people to give up (laughs) because I'm still clawing for stories and assignments. I mean, it's competitive, you know, just because I'm on our, I work for our assignment desk and I go out to stories. I'm grateful I get called to go on stories a lot. But there are still producers on our desk who have 10, 15, 20 years on me. I'm not always the first call. So I really have to tell myself why I'm the best person to go cover some of these stories. Um, I might have entire, not, entire knowledge or I've done something similar in the past or whatever it is. I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to sell myself. So part of me, I think I've stayed resilient because I just had this little dream as a little kid. And, you know, I come from a very small, humble little town in (laughs) Southern Louisiana. Um, And I really wanted to live and experience New York City and work as a journalist. I never thought it would be like necessarily a successful career. It's just what I wanted to do so badly. Um, Okay. So how does... How does your current position, how does it fit into your greater plans? Like, where do you, I guess it's the five-year question, right? Where do you see yourself in five Mm. years? You know, how does it fit? Well, that's a good question because I'm in a place where I'm kind of reevaluating everything I'm doing. Um, You know, when I was younger, I set a couple of goals. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to work for 60 minutes. I wanted to cover a political campaign. And I wanted to, I wanted to be a war correspondent, but that's no longer a goal. <laughs> and I, and I, I wanted to win an Emmy. 
Yeah, so I ha- I've accomplished all those goals. I thought that would take me my entire career. So I'm 30. I've done all of that. I did all that by the time I think I was 28. So I'm like, well, I really started got to start reevaluating what I want to do next. And that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would likely stay in the realm of storytelling. I think I could do this for a little while longer. It depends on the opportunities that open up and the opportunities that I create for myself. So I'd like to see myself maybe in a more uh, creative space. Um, I don't know if news is the place for that, or maybe there's a more creative way to bring news to viewers and reach audiences that aren't being reached. Um, You know, right now I feel like there's so much tension uh, with the discourse and I'd like to find a way that people can just kind of get their information and get information that's important to them and help them navigate their daily lives uh, without it being clouded by, you know, so much nastiness. I think we can all use a little bit of that, you know? Um, yeah. But other than that, like I'm also, I'm, I'm looking into maybe other things outside of news. Um, and there's some really cool, like a lot of tech companies are doing really cool ventures um, with news outlets, uh, Facebook partners with, with ABC and a lot of other companies, Snapchat partners, uh, with a lot of companies. Uh, and those are really cool. You're reaching younger demographics, niche markets. Um, and I'd like to, I still like the breaking news. I really love it. Like for me, it, it makes sense. It's important. It's stuff you need to know every once in a while. I, I feel like, Oh, wow. Our presence here actually made a difference. That's cool. You know, that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I've been asking myself that all month. What, what the heck I want to do next? Um, no, I mean, I'll probably be right here at ABC. Oh, you know? <laughs> exactly where you thought you weren't going to be. <laughs> right, right. Well, Heading to a hurricane or something disastrous, you know. See, those are fun. I've, I've lived through a few hurricanes. So have you. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're fun. They're more fun when you're, like, indoors and well, drinking yeah. rather than I mean, I don't think you're outside in it. Typically, you're not supposed to be outside in a hurricane. That's not usually the right. case. Right. <laughs> but usually for work, you know, I'm usually – Well – I'm not outside. I'm very close. <laughs> yeah, you, I did. I loved your coverage. I'm not going to lie. I know you weren't happy, <laughs> but I was amused. <laughs> It's fine. Deep down, I'm having a lot of fun, you know. Well, I mean, I like I like doing weird stuff like that. What's that? Right. Uh, I said, you know, I think my parents were really surprised because I I volunteer for stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to Hurricane Florence. I did I did Hurricane Maria. I was I was the first producer for ABC in Puerto Rico before the storm hit. I was like, yeah, I'll go. They're like, what is wrong with you? You're like volunteering to go to this stuff. I was like, yeah, like how cool down here huge natural scientific event this is amazing there's people here who need help how else are we gonna get images to you know other people who maybe donations can pour in and help can come like come on this is great you know i think they're a bit surprised because i volunteer for that stuff they don't just make you go play they can't make you get on a plane and go somewhere they have to ask you and i usually say yes i think what what are you passionate off the job like what what drives you hmm that's a great question thanks <laughs> i feel like i <laughs> i feel like i worked so much it's so hard to be re- remember what you're passionate about before you started 
slaving away um, uh, at work. Uh, no, it's true because on my days off, I used to volunteer and do a lot of stuff. And on my days off now, all I do is like go to the gym and lie down the rest of the day and do laundry. Like that. Um, but I'm passionate about politics, but I have covered a campaign. I'm always curious to see, like I think elections are really remarkable globally, and I'm always curious to see how policy changes um, result after an election and what happens and how that affects an economy or how that affects maybe, I don't know, an education system and the lingering effects of that. Because you can do studies on things like that. And once you have completed studies, you can now say, okay, I have data. To, now the data can inform the processes or new policies with, you know, a new administration or the same administration or whatever. I think politics is a good place um, to start with that. So I'm passionate in politics in that way. Seeing like, I don't, I'm not so passionate about covering a campaign. It's more so about the policies that come out of um, legislation, which I think is really interesting. Um, I'm really passionate about um, the way the news covers certain topics. Um, I'm passionate about the way we cover like the policing of black and brown bodies, um, our education system. You know, there are a lot of studies. Um, gosh, I forget the name of the, um, darn it, the policy report. It's basically a journalism think tank. And they'll do a lot of studies on how certain things, maybe certain cases, or maybe a case of police, police brutality, how that's covered by media organizations as a whole, and they'll use data and polling. And you can see the disparity in the coverage. And part of that is because of the lack of diversity in newsrooms, in various newsrooms. And I don't just mean my color, I'm talking about gender, gender, mm -hmm. race, and even more so socioeconomically. Like the reason I'm walking to work a few years ago, even after grad school, that was like six years ago, the reason I'm walking to work after grad school because these jobs, especially entry-level jobs, don't pay very well. Like they pay very poorly. Yeah. Um, I was making $13 an hour out of grad school, my first job in New York City. What? And I was working like 80, 90 hours a week and still couldn't pay bills. Like, what? I would get a check, it was like $500. Okay, well, that doesn't cover rent, first of all. Right. <laughs> so I, can't, right. I can't do anything. That doesn't like cover nothing. Right. So the problem with that is that it, the industry really only allows people with certain types of privilege to be able to do this job. So I had coworkers also like me making $13 an hour, but they lived in Chelsea or the West Village or in Greenwich and mommy and daddy were paying three, four grand or more for them to live in a one bedroom apartment or a studio. And I was like, wait a minute, uh, we're making a lot of money. There's no way you can afford to live like this. Um, and problem with that is you keep, so those people, a lot of them have certain upbringings or backgrounds, but you're missing the regular everyday people in the South, in the Midwest, you know, in the Rust Belt, the regular everyday people can't fathom living in a $5,000 apartment in Chelsea. Also, how can you relate to those people? You know, I didn't grow up, you know, starving, obviously, but like I grew up in a very, very poor area. I think, I think it is still the poorest parish in the state of Louisiana. We grew up in a very, very poor environment. Um, I had certain privileges, of course. Um, but like my parents can't afford to pay for, can't afford to pay for college, grad school. Definitely can't afford to keep me in an apartment. So 
it took me that much longer to crawl out of my hole or, or assume a large amount of debt just to be able to have similar opportunities that some of these other people had. So that's something that really gets me going. Diversity in newsrooms, um, equal pay, equal employment across the board. I think, you know, got to give people a chance and just an opportunity to compete. You know, if I'm starting out 30 feet behind you and we're running a race, you know, unless I'm Usain Bolt, I'm not going to catch up. <laughs> right. I was going to say, unless you're a runner. <laughs> right, right. I'm not and a look, runner. You know me. I'm not a runner. I try. <laughs> you do better than I do. At least you try. I try. It's a slow run, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a, like, a mild walk. <laughs> like, right. A quick a walk. Stroll. So, you set those goals when you were younger. You were 28 when you completed when you completed them, did you find that the people around you, the ones that were being, you know, that had that financial advantage, were they completing their goals a lot faster or were they, you know, kind of on par with you? Because I think there's something to be said for grit and drive. Um, It it doesn't close the gap, but it can at least kind of push you a little further. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I I mean, I would say yes and no. I mean, honestly, I don't, I can't say that there's a lot to say about grit and drive because I don't necessarily think that some of these people, my counterparts, especially started off where I started off, you know, the same level when we started at CBS are doing anything more outstanding or better than what I'm doing now. A lot of us are on par with each other. Some are doing, have, you know, maybe doing a little bit better or may have certain kind of job. I might be doing a little better than some of them. Um, matter of fact, I mean, I'm really great friends with a lot of them who I started out with at CBS with my first job. And I think we're all kind of, you know, almost on par. There's a few exceptions. Um, and I see that uh, across the board uh, here and there. There's exceptions to every rule. But overall, no. So I, it makes me that much prouder. It's like, okay, look, I didn't have all this, but I still, you know, and, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'm still digging myself out of it financial hold, thank you, Columbia University. So I'll be doing that for quite some time. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. That's your, okay. your children are going to inherit that. Your children. Yeah. I, oh, my God. It's going to be, yeah, I'm really, yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> so what, what advice would you offer to somebody that is, you know, has a dream from childhood? Maybe it is to be a producer in New York City, or maybe it is to be a reporter. What what advice would you offer them? Okay. Well, I've gotten some really great advice from a few people in the last few years that I really hold on to. Um, uh, a few things really stick out to me. Um, the first bit of advice I would say is to find a mentor. Find someone who can help you. Someone who's maybe been in your shoes at some point in their life. Maybe they haven't, but they're a resource. You know, they're a connector. Some people are just connectors and connect you to someone else. I like, I think I'm a connector. A lot of people will come to me or some of my sister's friends who maybe graduated a year or two ago or in the industry. She'll refer them to me and I'll like, Oh, I know someone who works there or I know someone who has this or has this experience. Let me connect you. And because you, I may already have a good relationship with that person. They don't mind me connecting them. Um, I think it's important to find those mentors and those connectors. Um, and people who can just give you a dose of reality and say, Hey, look, this is what it's going to take. Um, these are the sacrifices you might have to make. Um, one is you have to be willing to make sacrifices. Yeah. I was willing to walk six miles to and from work in the summer 
so that I, I could save, you know, a hundred bucks a month on the Metro card. I can, I can put that in my pocket and save it for any day. Like, I was willing to do that. Not everybody's willing to do that. So, you know, that's another piece of advice. Um, be willing to make sacrifices. And if you're not, that's okay. Like, you can do something else <laughs> that may not require right. sacrifice. Okay. Um, and recently, oh, well, two other things. When I was at 60 Minutes, I don't know if I can say this story, but when I was at 60 Minutes, I had, there was a senior producer who gave me great advice. He just said that I was a really nice guy. He thought I was really clawing my way, trying to, you know, advance stories and pitch things. And I was really young, trying to do all of this. And I look at some people, and not everyone in the industry is like has a reputation for being super friendly. Like, you know, some people are really dogged. And he said, you know, you're a nice guy. You don't have to compromise your integrity to get ahead. You know, and that's something that I have always held on to. It's not that if you get that promotion or that raise and you, you know, and you have to do something that compromises who you are, uh, it's probably not going to feel so great. Um, or you might have to live with that chip on your shoulder. I mean, some people maybe don't care. That's fine. I have a soul, so I, I care about it. Uh, and then the, the last thing, I actually heard this recently, which I needed to hear it because it really calmed me down. Because I've been very, I feel like I've been very competitive at work lately. Um, and there's always a little competition, but, you know, and I love the producers I work with. We're all really great friends, and they've been really good to me. Like, they've asked me to come on assignments, and they've, pitched me for stuff. They said, oh, Matt would be really good at that. He's good. He has a great skill that he can bring. And that's really helped me in my career. Like those are kind of like those connectors and mentors. They've, they've had a good relationship at the company for 20 years. And then they're talking about me. I've been there five years and they're telling our executives or our anchors, oh, Matt is a good resource. I mean, that's, that's invaluable. I, you know, um, but I had one reporter tell me, uh, she said, hey, you're not auditioning anymore. Remember that. And that's because somebody, she was a newer reporter and someone had told her that. She said, hey, you've been here a couple of years and you've proven yourself. They're calling on you to go and do big stories. You're not auditioning anymore. And she told me the same advice. I said, oh my God, you're right. I don't have to fight this hard because I'm already getting assignments that I would really want or, or I'm the first call sometimes. I'm not the third, fourth, or fifth anymore like I was maybe a year or two ago. I can like finally maybe say like I still work hard obviously but I can take a breather like <laughs> it's okay I can calm down I can be at peace because I'm not auditioning for that now if there's something else I want at work if I want to move around or do something more with the company which I obviously hope to do then yeah I'll be auditioning but for now I'm enjoying not auditioning so I think it's important to note that there is a difference in auditioning and keeping up your work ethic. So I don't want well, people yeah. to get confused about that because you're not one. Like Matt's lazy, he's just sitting down. <laughs> right, exactly. There's a difference in you know just breathing and sitting. And I, I, yes. I, I couldn't see you sitting. So <laughs> no, it's very hard for me to sit still and do nothing. It's very difficult. Um, right. But I'm learning to enjoy and appreciate breathing and taking a breath. I love that you consider yourself a connector. How do you decide what your, um, what your inner, like what your people look like, right? Your inner circle. How do you decide who they are and like, what do you look for? Let me tell you something. One class that changed my life at Oglethorpe. It was a class on leadership. Dr. Kendra King taught this class. Now, I love, oh, Dr. King. I love Kendra King. 
we definitely like we we had our little hiccups but i gotta tell you every book i had to read for that class i still have and i recommend to people regularly there's a book by john c maxwell called the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership i think yes. the first law in that book is the law of the inner circle that concept just having it on a diagram like in a circle and a spiral and putting mm-hmm. your relationships with people on that diagram you know 21 year old me was like oh my god mind blown <laughs> you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a simple concept but like when you break it down you can see how meaningful it is so the way i i think now decide who's in my inner circle i I know that because I can be a connector, I tend to prop a lot of people up. So I think a lot of people feel comfortable laying their burden down on me because Matthew can handle it. They can stand on my shoulders. Matthew can handle it. And to an extent, yes, I can, but I'm human. So, Mm -hmm. and I have needs too. So I try to surround myself with people who give me something back. And I don't mean that in a selfish way, but like if you are investing so much time and energy in people, if you're pouring and pouring and pouring and none of them refill your cup, you're going to be depleted. You need people who replenish your spirit, not deplete you. And that's most important to me. My closest friends in college, I, you know, looking back in college and high school and now have always poured something back into my life. I poured, you know, refilled my cup so that I can continue to be, you know, a helpful individual. That's most important. I mean, you got to find someone who lifts you up, you know, I like that. I love that. Um, so I have a lightning round of questions. They won't take. Oh my God. Okay. They're super fun. I'm going to put down the avocado. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was one question. Like, do you like avocado? I don't love it. Um, oh my God. Wait a minute. We have to talk about that. No, it's, it just is a texture thing. Like it doesn't taste like anything to me. You put on it, but the texture, put a little sea salt on it and a little, little black pepper. Yeah, but why? Like, it's smushy anyway. Why not? It's, it's okay. okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> it goes back <laughs> to the school system. That's what it is. It's uh, fine. <laughs> so, beach or mountains? Ah, I love the beach. Ah. I love the beach. The okay. Though. All right. Favorite color? Jungle green. Jungle green? Yes, easy. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm really proud of you because that's a color I haven't heard yet. Uh, Thank you. But why jungle green? Like, why not lime green? Listen, it is no lime green. Ew, no. So when I when I was a young child, I I remember this so vividly. I got really sick. I think I had the flu. I must have been in first grade. I was so sick, and I loved dinosaurs. My mom bought me a coloring book, like all these dinosaur coloring books. From home all week, she took off from work, and she got me like that big, you know, remember that like '64 Crayola mm-hmm. pack of crayons? Oh, I was from Walmart. I was so excited. Okay, and I remember trying to like color the plants and stuff, and like I was like, ah, oh, they can't all be the same shade of green. Like, that's what I kept thinking, like you know, the little artist in me. Yep. My mom's like, well, there's a lot of green to choose from. Pick one. I started playing with green, and one of the colors was jungle green, and it's so rich and beautiful and it became my favorite green. I was coloring, you know, I, got, I forgot about all the other greens. I just started coloring everything with jungle green, the dinosaurs, the plants included, everything had jungle green in it. It was amazing. Oh, I like. So that's why. It's oh. very, it means a lot to me. I have a Crayola box on my bookshelf right now. Jungle green's in there. 
What are you going to do if they ever discontinue it? Are you going to riot? I might. That's a problem. That would be a travesty. <laughs> I, should, I should write a story about it, actually. You should. If you do, I'll put it up. I promise. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Brunch or dinner? Oh, brunch. Easy. Boozy, of course. I knew it. Fall yeah. or spring? Spring. All right. Are you ready for this one? This is polarizing. No. Okay. In sync or Backstreet Boys? Oh, no. <laughs> That's so mean. I loved him so much. But I, was, I, was, I already know. It's in it's, sync. It's in sync. It's in sync. You know, I have I, all their albums from when I was a kid. Yes. You know? I have only had one person, and it was Marla, and she said Backstreet Boys. No. Come on. In sync had the armography, you know, the big arm choreography. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Yep. Whatever. Whatever, Marla. <laughs> Books or movies? Movies. Don't judge me. I love to read. I have tons of books, but sometimes I just want to <laughs> have mindless entertainment. I, I understand that. What, what is, what's your favorite movie or what have you watched recently that you just love? Favorite movie of all time is The Beautiful Mind. It was just like my first glimpse into it. I didn't know. I mean, it, it, I think it was in fourth grade when it came out. It was so good. And a fourth grader, I'm like 10. I'm learning about schizophrenia in this really unique way. Mm-hmm. Plot twist at the end. I was like, oh my God. So when I, like, it was so good. I remember like having detailed conversations with my parents. What is schizophrenia? And, you know, they're trying to figure it out. And we're like going to the library to research things. Like the book, the movie looks like, it was great. Okay. It was a topic of discussion in Miss Stacey Scott's class for quite some time after it came out. Um, I mean, I think it, it's a really good movie. <laughs> it's great. I sent the DVD. Anytime someone asks my favorite movie, it's a beautiful mind. Um, it was great. What have I watched recently? I haven't seen Avengers. The last movie I saw was like Dumbo or something. You saw Dumbo? What did you think? I haven't yeah. seen it. I refuse. I didn't love it because I'm, I'm a huge fan of the book. I had all the, I had those like Disney classics yes. when I was a kid and Dumbo, I would read so much. The pages were all torn and screwed up. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was fine. It just, mm, didn't quite do it for me. It's a bad thing. That. Izzy has inherited all of my old Disney books. <gasps> really? You yeah. still have so them? That's amazing. Some of them and she's like, mommy, what happened to these? I'm like, they were loved. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Those books are are treasure. They are. iPhone or Android? I don't think, oh, iPhone. No, oh, come on, Matt. You're too. Android's smart. probably a better phone, but like I haven't. I have iPhone, and it's just all I've known since I don't know junior year of college, and I don't have time to learn something new. <laughs> uh, that's fair. So it's Izzy turns seven on Thursday, and oh, happy birthday. Well, her favorite question is, what is your favorite number? Seven. Amen. Seven is the number of completion. It is a spiritual number. (laughs) Do you know, I think Marla said that number, too. Really? Or maybe it was Jennifer. I can't. No, it was Jennifer. Jennifer Brantley said it. Okay. Yeah, it's seven. Did you know, did you know Vicki Brown at Oglethorpe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Vicki went to high school with me. And she would always, 
she was so funny. Because anytime the number seven would come up, she was always like, mm, the number seven, amen, amen. Seven is the number of I remember that. Lord. <laughs> That's what she would always say. So I always, I still say that. I'm like, praise the Lord, seven, seven is the number of position, amen. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Coffee <laughs> or tea? Tea. I don't drink coffee. Ah! What? How do you live? I know. I, you know, I'm high on life. I wake up feeling good, you know? I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I love tea. I don't, I don't really mess with caffeine too much. Then I can find a nice decaffeinated tea. I'll do that. Or low caffeine tea. I, I will drink coffee every blue moon. And it's only, like, if you see me with a cup of coffee, I'm having a bad day. Like, something is wrong. Or I just can't wake up. And it's maybe, I mean, I might have, I mean, I, I definitely have less than a hand, less than five a year. Easily, I could tell you every time I've had a cup of coffee, and it's always black, no sugar. It's just always black. You know, it's oh, purely for the drug. That is <laughs> purely that is for the pick me up. Purely for the drug, right there. Oh, that's yeah, funny. that's it. Um, <laughs> and then dog or cat? Dog. I hate cats. They're the devil. <laughs> Satan. Satan. I hate them. They're evil. I yeah. don't like cats either. Nope. Horrible. Right. Dogs cute, lovable, fun, active. Happy. Yeah, happy. Love it when you come home. Right. So territorial. They're like, this is my apartment, not yours. Like, I don't have time for that. Who's paying rent? You know? <laughs> no time. If you find a cat to pay rent, let me know because I will, I will accept <laughs> that into my home. Right. That right. cat can come live with me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, is there anything else that you want to add? Is there anything that we missed that you feel like you didn't get a chance to say? Or I don't know. I probably said too much. I just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> you have to shut me up. I'm sorry. Um, I shut you, you know. Up okay. All right. Don't listen. You were an RA. Don't don't feel bad. Shut me up if you have to. So that's Matt. His personality has always been huge and kind and hilarious. I think it's one of the reasons I thought of him first for this project. If you want to get in touch with him, you can follow his adventures on the Instagram at Matt J. Claiborne. And as always, you can find me there too at SK Durbin or on Facebook at Caffeinated Changes. Reach out and tell us what you think of this particular episode of the podcast of a topic that you want to hear about, whatever. I'm here so you feel heard. Also, subscribe for free anywhere you're listening from and encourage your friends to do the same. You have the potential to lift others up just by sharing what you're listening to. Thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.